0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast.
0: And say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something that you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase
2: Palm And broadcast school has really
3: paid off. And Neil McCready.
0: I deserve to be on TV.
3: Welcome in. Thursday morning edition Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Palm, Neil McCready, Clark Ford Studio here with you today. One day away from uh, the double-decker weekend in Oxford, Ole Miss, and Georgia at Swayze Field. Rebels. Uh... Scuffling quite a bit in uh, in college baseball right now. Georgia playing better. They uh, had a big weekend last week, sweeping Arkansas, and then uh, got one against Florida the previous weekend as well. As uh, a very heralded successful freshman, Charlie Condon, uh, killing the baseball right now. So we'll hit a little baseball, but we're going to talk to he's Jeffrey so, Wright. He's so good coming up on the uh, on the show today. so we do every Thursday, <sighs> he was probably uh, in uh, FedEx Forum last night. Grizzly staving off elimination, forcing a game six back in Los Angeles. So we had a lot of tougher topics with Jeffrey today. Podcast brought to you every day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford lunch specials, five sixty nine. a couple sides, any size fountain drink. Also let them take care of dinner tonight, ribs, all their hot case items. They've got uh, they've got chickens, they've got sides, they've got desserts. They've got whatever you need there, including their 49-cent fill-ups and your fountain drinks there with Blue Sky. And remember in the Jackson Metro area at the Clinton Blue Sky, Got the homemade donuts every morning. A lot of different options there. Hope you're enjoying one with your coffee as we're getting started this morning on the live stream. So all that at the Blue Sky locations around Mississippi. And again, coming to you from the Clark Ford studio.
2: We are Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is that number. Call it. Ask for uh, Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom what I do.
3: Nothing. Screens. I'm just telling you.
2: Oh. You're good. Oh, you were pointing. I was like, Yeah, yeah, my bad. 662-257-1900 is that number. Call it. Ask for uh, Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around, or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. 662-257-1900. Jeffrey Wright, other guests join on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. If you're a displaced corporate executive, you're wanting to put your career in your own hands. You're an experienced entrepreneur just looking to diversify. Regardless, Andy Ludicky can help. He owns multiple franchises and businesses, he uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy. Put your life and your career in your own hands. It's 100% free. You have nothing to lose. Find your perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net or contact Andy anytime at andy@myperfectfranchise.net at or 404-973-9901. I'm going to get Jeffrey on the horn on
3: the uh My Perfect Franchise hotline in a second. But friend of the pod, our friend, got to give some credit to Ben Minch yesterday. Knocking out, he's been he's been working out, been getting the jog in for uh for charity. He's raised a lot of money for that Hawks for the calls. It was a 10K yesterday in uh little under fifty-eight minutes. Pretty good there. For ben. That's
2: that's a damn good job by Minch right there. I'm, I'm, you, I'm proud of my boy. Let me tell you how much that resonated with me. I had literally just finished running a 10k and I ran mine in 57 minutes and 40 seconds did you really yeah and was pretty pleased with it and then Ben
3: I mean in all serious like for anyone who doesn't run he maxed efforted that to a level that I like I'm really I'm, I'm proud of him like he that, the finish yeah that's a that's a that's a move right there
2: when you consider how unhealthy he was and that's would, what I'm saying Ben would tell you this yeah yeah, um, yeah how unhealthy he was when he started this lifestyle change if I had told him years ago you're gonna run a 10k which is 6.25 miles in under an hour. Under an hour. He would have said there's no no way. Number 1 he would have said I can't run that far. Really proud of him. I mean, I And, and to it do it because, on a I mean, track like that. That's there's a mental component to that as well.
3: Well, cuz he, you know, he had run the 10K in New uh, Orleans a couple weeks ago and he ran it just over an hour. At that point, the bet with his coworkers was under an hour. And he went like an hour forty one, and he had a point here. He told everybody, "I can do it because I we had to weave through people. I had to. I got affected by the crowd. If you put me on a place where I don't have to weave through the crowd, it's going to cut the time off. And <laughs> it is. You absolutely go
2: extra than whatever it is you are running in a race. Oh, there's no question. I've run two marathons where had I not had people to weave through, I would have done it in under four hours. Yeah, but so you, you lose you lose time early in the marathon maneuvering the traffic i mean you know it's a it's a cool day for
3: him yesterday running the 10k like you said his lifestyle change today is uh the three-year anniversary of ben uh stopping drinking by the way too today so three years to the day that he is uh he's had alcohol so anyway good uh good luck to him proud of him so it's a big deal you're gonna get jeffrey on the line while we're uh while we're waiting Crazy upset last night. The Milwaukee Bucks are out of the NBA playoffs. They uh, blew a 16-point fourth-quarter lead in Milwaukee yesterday, losing to the uh, the Heat, and now second-round matchup of Heat and Knicks. Nobody, uh, nobody had that coming for the second round.
2: I'm now paranoid about every time I call Jeffrey whether I'm calling the right number or not. That woman. Bless her heart. You know, she hates me.
1: Hi, you
3: Jeffrey with 92.9. He says, call me on Skype. That's what I just did. He means his username, not his phone. Like the actual Skype contact. You know what I'm talking about?
2: The person you are trying to reach is currently unavailable.
3: We're working on it, people. I know. I'll cut it out of the actual pod would sound.
2: I don't really know what he means. I've called both numbers.
3: No, it's not a number. He means like literally yeah. call him I, on guy. I, I, I did. That's what I've got right there. Okay. Can you see it? I mean, yeah, enough. Let me ask him if he can call us. Can you send me your username over a text that I can tell him to call that username and let him do it? If I can figure it out.
2: The person you are trying to reach is currently unavailable.
3: Just hang in. Sleep your coffee. It's all good.
2: Yeah, I'm sending it to you. This is why I kind of dread the night show tonight guest and numbers and it just ever since we made that change I, I'm not sure that I ever mastered it <clears throat> you go. hello Jeffrey good morning how are you
1: I am doing well how about yourselves
2: I'm good I <clears throat> appreciate you taking some time it's a huge win for the Grizzlies last night that was a kind of a no matter what the series does that was a test for them last night after some of the comments that even their own coach made about maturity and that kind of thing for them to show up and not just beat the lakers but dominate the lakers last night had to regardless of what happens this season that was a felt like a, a bit of a validation win for the grizzlies
1: yeah i thought i thought going into the game it was i really thought the game was going to go one of two ways i thought there was very much what you saw last night. Oftentimes when you see a home team win a game four and they're up 3-1, in the back of the minds, they know they got game six at home. And so particularly with this Lakers team, and you can tell with LeBron, what all he had to expend in game four, I thought there was a chance that he'd save his legs. And I think we saw that. On the flip side, because of just kind of the the turmoil that you've been seeing with the Grizzlies, I also thought there was a chance that hey man may they may they may just quit like they could lay down, and they did not. The thing that makes it difficult to assess a game like that last night is it was mission accomplished, and you're right like i I do think that they showed up, and I think they showed the formula that they've needed. To show for much of this series, you get 82 points from Ja, Jaron, and Dez. And you get the big nights from Ja and Dez. If you're going to beat the Lakers, those three guys have to play well. And that's the first time I felt like all three of them played well in the same game. And so now it sets up an opportunity to go and kind of flip the script. You've got to do something you haven't done the entire year, you're going to have to go win on the road as an underdog. And it's one of those situations where it's like, I think if they come back Sunday, kind of like their chances, but they've not proven to be a good road team all year. And now, now it sets up a Friday where they're going to have to go and prove that they're more than just barking.
2: They're the better team. There's no question about that. They should have won game four. They kind of let it get away. There was a defensive lapse on that last possession, You can't let LeBron get that close to the basket. But I agree with you. I think if they can... You
1: can't let him go downhill like that. Yeah, I
2: I think if they can find a way to survive game six, I think they win game seven and and maybe win it in a way that kind of takes the franchise to the next place. Um, You know, I was listening to Giannis Antetokounmpo talk about losing. He was asked if the season was a failure, and he gave a pretty in-depth answer about, no, it's not a failure. It's always... You're always striving. It's a process. And... I mean, I think that holds true for Memphis, even if the series doesn't work out. But I think they're right there in Game Six. I mean, I, they just they've they got to focus on just playing basketball, which I think is what Jenkins was trying to say between game between games four and five. Is it's all this other stuff that gets in their heads that they they've got to eliminate. They've got to focus on the task at hand, which is LeBron James and Anthony Davis, basically.
1: No, and whether or not it's fair, appropriate, who knows? I I personally think the Timberwolves team that they played last year is better than this Lakers team just from talent and whatnot. But this Lakers team has two clear differences. They have, if not the greatest player of all time, you know, the second or third greatest player of all time. Yeah, he's 38, but you can tell he's still, he's still good enough physically that he can absolutely destroy you with his mind and whether or not this would be a a better series win than what they did last year it's certainly going to resonate more and it will be viewed as actually accomplishing something and this would be kind of the the first thing that they've accomplished because you will have beaten LeBron James you will have given him his first ever series loss with a 3-1, you know, with a a 3-1 advantage. And I think that would be a real significant accomplishment. The problem is what stands in the way between that is kind of been their Achilles heel all year. They got to go on the road, and they've got to figure out a way to get a win.
3: So do you anticipate that? What's your guess?
1: I have no idea because I didn't know what to make of. My instinct says that LeBron last night you know he 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 went all out he played the most minutes in game four it felt like he was really conserving energy and the biggest question for me now is what is the status of Luke Kennard because when Kennard is on the floor the Lakers have to play honestly on defense
2: yeah because he can and- shoot so well
1: and it's not even like he's getting a ton of shots up. It's just that they have to play five on five. When Brooks is on the floor, the Lakers defensively, like not only are they like leaving him open, like they're trying to take away like the passing options. So they're truly daring him to shoot, and he's just been taking the bait, and he has been horrible on the offensive end. I mean, it's no. It, it's no coincidence last night when the Grizzlies had their big runs that Dylan wasn't on the floor.
2: No, Dylan's been a negative in this in this series. Not just his words, but his play. He hasn't played well. He played well in game two. That's about it.
1: I, I actually think his play <clears throat> his words are gonna his words are gonna garner all the attention, but I think it's been his play that's been the more the more problematic issue.
2: If they don't get out of round one, do they try to move him this offseason? Because it looks like they tried to move him in the in the middle of the season.
1: So he's essentially, though he he's basically, they would just let him walk. Okay. And my suspicion, <laughs> you know, it's it's tough to tell because a lot of a lot of the conversations you hear with Dylan, it's typically when he's not playing well and everyone's frustrated with him. The thing that will be interesting for me to see is his play, his play during the postseason, I think, is making him a cheaper and cheaper option. This isn't just some this isn't just some deal in the abstract where it's like, well, would you rather have someone better than Dylan Brooks? Well, I think the answer is yes. I, I think they clearly tried to make that happen when you saw the offers that they made at the deadline. They've been unable to get someone better than Dylan Brooks. Sense and my gut says that now he is even if even if he were at the right price my gut says that they're just they're just ready to move on which i also think bring brings up a bigger question to me there's so much focus locally about oh you can't say anything about job ja. it'll make him leave oklahoma city didn't make kevin durant leave They never turned on him. New Orleans didn't turn on Anthony Davis. In the end, whether or not I think it's more clear cut with Anthony Davis, like they did not put a team around him that he felt like he could win with. And then with Durant, you know, basically both guys left because they thought they could go win somewhere else. The biggest question now for Kleiman is, can you put a team around Morant? Can you put a team around Dez and Jaron that makes those guys want to stay, you know, oh, by like the same, by the, the same token, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fun story. But the reason why LeBron went back to Cleveland was because Cleveland had a better roster than what Miami was going to have.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Sam Presti was giving his <clears throat> end of the, excuse me, my voice is, um, it's not good today. Uh, Sam Presti was giving his, you know, end of the season sort of state of the union address, and that he took
1: thing they do on breakout day or whatever.
2: Yeah, and he was talking about Shea Gildas Alexander and about some of the players on the team, and, and he said that it's his opinion that the mistake that most of the NBA makes is that they appease players; that the system is set up for the player and the organization to sort of be against one another. And he said, what he's tried to do there is don't appease and rather challenge because the only way that you grow, you don't grow through appeasement. You grow through challenge. He said, you know, it applies to relationships. It applies to work, whatever outside of basketball, but then it absolutely applies to basketball that they could spend a lot of their energy trying to appease Shea Gildas Alexander, who probably is going to be first team all NBA this year. Or they could say what they said to Shea Gildas Alexander, which is if you want to be great, if you want to be a great player, you've got to become an even better defender. If you become an elite defender, what he said was, if if Shea becomes a an elite defender, he's a problem. He becomes a problem for the rest of the league. I mean, a big problem. And he's right. And if Shea doesn't become a great defender, he's just going to be a, a really good NBA player. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. He'll, he's, a, he's making the max. He's a franchise player. And I think that applies to Morant this offseason. I think that whether, whether Memphis loses on Friday or wins the title, if Ja wants to be a great player, Memphis can't spend all of its efforts appeasing him. Memphis has to challenge him. Because look, if he's going to walk, he's going to walk. Your, your example about Durant is exactly right. There was nothing more that Oklahoma City could have done to make Kevin Durant stay. They did everything they could have done they were in the process of bringing in Al Horford and and they traded Serge Ibaka for Victor Oladipo and if he had gone to the organization and said I demand that you trade Westbrook they probably would have done it but at the end of the day they couldn't make him stay and Memphis is going to be in that boat with Morant and so bending over backwards and never challenging the player to to mature and to grow is 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 an error
1: yeah and i i i think you can even I think you can go beyond basketball. I think what Sam Presti said there pretty much just applies to the human condition. Yeah. Uh, So the thing that has been interesting to watch and I don't have a good grasp. I've talked to, I've talked to people and you kind of get the, uh, I don't know. There's no question that the Grizzlies as an organization have some culpability with, what has gone on with Morant this year. They've enabled him. um, You know, they'll tell you that they'll tell you that they were aware of it. Like they're not blind and that they had tried and it, what the message wasn't received. The thing that's going to be interesting with Morant is at some point, we're going to have to answer the question. Does he feel like he's got to make any changes? And it's still unclear to me. Like, even if you take the, the strip club video, my suspicion is that he thinks the only thing that he did wrong is he went live on his own personal account. Like, I think it was clear to me. It's clear what happened. And again, this is one man's opinion. This isn't reporting. He thought he was on a burner and I suspect there's a burner that, that has uh jazz, Jah's a private life, if you will, out there. And, you know, it appeared that he was drinking and he, he went on the wrong account. The thing that's more interesting, though, to me is I think LeBron ushered in this mindset. I think it was Windhorse that said, you know, LeBron wants ownership to be uncomfortable. And he, like, that's why he did the short-term contracts. That's why, you know, he's so demanding. He wants ownership to be uncomfortable. I don't know. Is there going to be a course correction? Or is this just a situation of this is just, there's no going back. This, this is the way that it is. Because I know ownership throughout the league is frustrated in the sense of like, well, why these rules that we like, was it Paul George? Who was the first guy that just signed the Max and then like, trade me? Like, the whole point of the Supermax was to try and try and let teams that, you know, got homegrown guys keep them. Well, the moment that they started, you know, sign, just signing the deal and then demanding trades, well, that kind of flipped the script. I, I still think it boils down to the Grizzlies. One thing that this this playoff run is shown and I understand that they're Grizzlies fans saying, well, Steven Adams is hurt. Brandon Clark is hurt. Even given that they're still not, there's still at least one player short. I think that they're aware of that. And the question is, are they going to be able to, are they going to be able to figure out a way to bring someone else in?
2: Yeah. I don't know what their cap sheet looks like. And you know, I don't know what the new CBA is. It's it hasn't been formally approved.
1: I mean, they they'll never admit this publicly. But like, I think they're going to catch a break with John ja not making first. You know, one of the All NBA teams mm-hmm. because he won't get the super max. He'll just sign the max. But you know, next year, then Des is. Con- they're going to have to get a deal with Des, and Dez's contract will kick in the next year. I mean, they're about to start to get into the the crunch that that everyone does when you've got three guys. Where they're going to catch a, another break, it looks like Jaron Jackson's contract's going to be a steal because when Jaron was up for the extension, he was coming off the injury and he chose to to take the the guaranteed money rather than, you know, betting on himself for one more year. And so now you've got Jaron on the books for, you know, basically I think it's like 21, 22 million. And that's that contract's going to look like a steal, but the they're, they're, they have tried to find the piece through the draft. Zaire Williams has, you know, I, I they they will say they haven't given up on him, but I think the day and age of thinking that he's going to be that fourth piece, I, I think that's gone. Maybe he can be a rotation guy, whatnot. They've been trying to do it through the draft, and I think. Now they're going to have to figure out a way. They're going to have to figure out a way to go get somebody. I think that's more established.
2: It's the challenge for the small market team. Um, You can build through the draft and the CBA. My understanding is that the the new CBA is, is going to be more small market friendly than the previous one where you can keep your own guys. As long as you're willing to pay the tax, you can keep your guys that you drafted, that you developed on long-term deals. You can give out multiple max deals and that kind of thing. But you're right. The, the, when the ultimate step is, okay, we got to go get one more guy, whether it's the, the – in, in Memphis' case, it's probably the third option, the fourth option. Can you get that guy to come to Memphis even if – I mean, even when the selling point is, hey, we're this close to a title, we're this close to going to the finals, to, to winning or to getting a ring, can you get players to go, yep, I'm not going to go to Brooklyn or, or, or Miami or Los Angeles I'm going to go to Miami. I'm going to go to Memphis. I'm going to go to Oklahoma city. I'm going to go to Indianapolis. History says that's a hard sell.
1: Well, and like, and to be fair to the Grizzlies, if you look at what they offered Toronto for OG and who I actually think that's kind of blessing in disguise. I'm not saying that I think OG is a bad player, but I think OG OG happened to be the bell of the ball when there just wasn't much on the table. And I think the Grizzlies would have, drastically overpaid for him and i'm not convinced that that's that's the answer but i mean they even offered they offered brooklyn even more for bridges and you know maybe now brooklyn this summer thinks thinks a little differently but it seems like they want to try to build around bridges but i mean that that becomes the question i mean how are are you going to be able to find someone else and how do you do it? And really the only options the Grizzlies have, I don't think they're going to trade. They're not going to trade job. Ja, they're not going to trade Jaron. They're not going to trade Des. So they've got a ton of draft capital. You're just going to have to try to get creative and figure out a way to, to make a deal for someone like that. But it's not as simple as just snapping in your fingers and saying, go make a trade. Well, trade takes a trade partner. And right now, when you look at it, I don't know what the options are. Everyone points to, well, let's find who the next disgruntled star is and go and make the offer. But to your point, Neil, a lot of times those disgruntled stars, like their thought isn't, oh, let me, get me to Memphis.
2: Yeah. I mean, a guy like Anthony Edwards could potentially look at Minnesota this off season and go, you know what? This isn't working. You guys made bad deals. I want out. I'm going to stomp my feet until you put me out. And Memphis probably has the draft capital and they could, Put some people in place, and to put is he gonna is he gonna agree to go to Memphis? And if he does go to Memphis, is he gonna agree to be happy in Memphis for four, five, six seasons? I don't know the answer to that. And so that's where uh, you always I go back to Presty all the time, where Presty says we have to let these things determine themselves. You can't just pull the levers and push the buttons because you can do that, and you can make look at Atlanta for example. Uh, you can you can make mistakes where you you really shrink your window.
1: Yeah, and then, I mean. Also with Edwards, I mean Edwards is going to have to have a contract.
2: Yeah, you know? and he's going to want a supermax.
1: And I'm trying to see, like right now, for next year. Next year, their active roster cap is at 137. To Neil's point, we don't exactly know. We don't know what. We don't know what the final salary cap is going to be for next year. But I mean, essentially, you know they don't have a ton of cap room. Like, I don't even know if, I don't even know how you would make a deal. Like, you know, in the hypothetical world that, that Neil mentions with an Anthony Edwards, like, I don't even know how you make that work. Yeah. His 33, five is going to be tied up in Morant. Jaren's is 27. I mean, I guess Kennard would have to be involved. That's 14. Tyus. Adams, I mean, you you probably have to give up Canard, Tyus, Adams. I mean, you don't even have a five in that scenario. So, I mean, this is, you know, this is the, the reality of the situation. It's trying to figure out how to make things work when, you know, there is a salary cap. Mm.
3: Switching gears a little, Jeffrey, I know it's... Um Used to be a little more probably appointment viewing. Where are you standing on the draft tonight? Is there excitement? Do you care? Is it just about your team? What's what's up with you?
1: So, it is nice that my like I used to have to look forward to the draft for like the last six or seven years because my team sucked, and it's the only chance that you had to to have a little a little sense of optimism. Picking down in the twenties, if you are someone that has like, if you're someone that can grade a pick in the twenties. I tip my cap to you. Like the thing that I think is interesting is we know Bryce is going one. What happens after that? Because is CJ Stroud really falling or are we going to look up and say, well, that was kind of smoke all along. Is Levis really going to be the second quarterback? Is Richardson going to be the second quarterback? Are people going to look past Jalen Carter's off the field stuff? Like, to me, I do actually think it's a pretty interesting draft. I think the thing that is feels like it's been kind of making it maybe a little, uh, it <coughs> feels like it's not quite as hyped coming up, and I think it's just because Bryce has been assumed that he's going one. But I do think after one, I think, I think it becomes fascinating.
3: A lot of late 36-hour buzz here, Will Anderson going to. It's been kind of a push the last day or so.
1: And see that's the one that I can't figure out. Is that from reporting or is that from people going? You know, D'Amico Ryan's played at Alabama too.
2: <laughs> you know, that's that's Houston telling you that they're cool with Davis Mills
1: or that they don't love that they don't love the other ones and then there's also the possibility you know, I don't know how they feel about Hendon Hooker, but you know, would you rather you know, you've got another pick at 12 or or whatnot. And I mean, to me, though, the problem is. Can you make the statement we're good with Davis Mills?
3: No, I mean, no, come
1: on, no, like uh, uh, at a certain level, like you have the second pick. Yeah, you screwed it up. You should have the first pick. But like, can you really just go into next year? Like, I feel like you got to take one of
2: them. I would be putting out the buzz that I'm taking quarterback and panicking some of these other teams and making somebody trade up with me and get, let me get another asset and then maybe move down to three to four to five and then I'll get one of the defensive guys. I, I, I think that's the route I would take. And maybe it's that's harder said.
1: Yeah, I think the problem is I think that I think it's a lot harder to I think it's a lot harder to kind of misdirection people because in the end you're all interviewing the same players and, you know, what are they telling you? You know, that you talk to the agents, what are they telling you? I think you can kind of sort through a lot of it. So to me, like, I, I just, at a certain point, it's like, you know, maybe, maybe you don't love one of these guys, but man, I, I just think you're at the point where you got to take one of them.
3: Yeah, the, uh, under this scenario, they would be basically gambling on Levis or Richardson being there at twelve,
1: or I mean Hooker is the other one, and I mean I don't know, like the I I, I like and Hooker, but and Hooker's got the same questions that Matt had last year. We've not seen a quarterback come from that offense and be good in the NFL. Doesn't mean that they weren't got great college players. It doesn't mean that that we just haven't seen it. Someone may end up being the first. But man, I just I don't know. And like,
2: Hindu Hooker's 25 years old. And so if there's a three year learning curve, man, you're 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 fast out of his prime seasons.
1: Yeah, and he's coming off an ACL. I mean I I, I don't know. I actually I mean I think this is all fascinating because it feels like I ended up watching some more Bryce Young uh this week and I just find myself like in awe of him. Is he a surefire bet? No. I mean the the size is a is an issue. You have to build differently around him, but it does feel like the most obvious answer to me when I watched college football last year, Bryce Young is the best quarterback. That's kind of what we're seeing.
2: I come back now, to this every time, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere close to a football expert. I, I, don't, I don't pretend to be one. I, I, the, the, some of the people in my field who do a lot of that, I, I find it to be really disingenuous. That being said, it was the one game last season, Ole Miss, Alabama, and Oxford, walking out of the press box, I said if Alabama had anyone else at quarterback today, any other quarterback in college football today, Ole Miss wins the game. They, well, I mean, Alabama won the game because Bryce Young won the game on the field, and then he went and got on the sideline and showed the kind of leader that he is. You saw it happen, and they came back out, and they just drove. They, he made plays. He stayed composed. Uh, they, they, were, they were in trouble that day a little bit. Uh, Alabama was not a great team last year, and Bryce Young won that game. That was, that was the day that there was a, a zero doubt that the best player on that field, head and shoulders better than anyone else, was Bryce Young.
1: No, I mean, even in this conversation, if you if you put Hennon Hooker on that team last year, I think Ole Miss wins the game.
2: Agreed. And, in any other quarterback, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Richardson, any of them, Ole Miss wins that game. Bryce Young won that game.
1: I just also think they're – I completely understand why you'd be a little bit hesitant on C.J. Stroud. A much like much like we're talking about with the you know the Baylor offense, the Baylor Briles offense not having a ton of success, we haven't seen a lot of Ohio State quarterbacks go and have success in the NFL. It, now jury could still be out on fields. The one thing though that I do come back with Stroud, could someone please pop in some film and show me a better game than what he did against Georgia?
2: There's not one. And, you know there's not I, one
1: I, to me like i understand it's going to be like an easy connection okay they're both ohio state quarterbacks this does feel like if he does indeed fall this does feel just like justin fields falling in the draft in which football guys outthought this you know justin fields and trevor lawrence were the one and two quarterbacks basically since they were sophomores in high school fields those those two guys going into the covid year were the presumptive one and two picks. The weird COVID year happens. Fields didn't have a great year, but he still had that Clemson game in the bowl game, and you're like, okay, this guy's amazing. But you had people that talked themselves into Wilson. You had people that talked themselves into Trey Lance. To me, like that just feels exactly like the situation we're in with, with Levis and that we're in with Richardson C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young have been the one and two quarterbacks basically since their sophomore years of high school. Like it just, it, it feels like the exact same scenario playing out.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this.
3: Adidas. What do you want for the Giants tonight? Position-wise, Here.
1: Um, I would obviously like receivers since um, we've chosen to, uh, in modern football, play without them. Yep. Uh, um, you know, Chase, just like anything, I, all I want is best player available.
3: <laughs> you know,
1: I always love when it's best player available. It's amazing how best player available always seems to be a position of need. It's, yeah. it's funny how those two things seem to line up pretty cleanly. Um, you know, I think they need, I mean, there's certainly, the problem is like, I would like offensive line. This doesn't seem to be a great offensive line draft. Um, this feels like a year where they just take a corner. It's a pretty good corner draft. They'll they'll take a corner in the first round and it's tough to kind of argue with it because by the same, the same mindset of why you would want a receiver, you need corners the biggest thing I just always I'll 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 keep my rules firm and fast. If we take a defensive player, I want him to have red flags. Like that's <laughs> really what it boils down to. I judge the process more than I judge, like who they pick. I judge how they they got to the conclusion. Get me some defensive guys with some character issues.
2: Speaking of, what would you do with Jalen Carter? Take him. I yeah. would too. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. It, it goes back to. Uh, it goes back to the point I'm making about Stroud. Like, eh, go pop in some Jalen Carter tape.
2: That's the thing about Richardson. As I've, I've said this so many times, if I'm an NFL guy, I get that he looks like a gazillion dollars. We would all kill to look like that one day of our lives just to walk around. With oh, and
1: forget forget just looking like that. I would kill just to be that athletic.
2: Oh yeah, to be able to run like that and throw the spin it the way that he can spin it and all that I mean physically my god he passes every single test with flying colors and then some right i mean he's
1: even if he didn't have the bazooka how much fun would it be to just run around one day and in the middle of nowhere just do like a double backflip yeah like you know just wake i think that's how i'd wake up every morning i'd run down the hall just do a quick little double backflip and go like clap my hands and go let's go like, yeah. that's how i'd start my day
2: well, Ole Miss was playing Arkansas that day, and I was convinced that we were not far away from having to do hot boards and columns and coaching searches, and that was a night game in Fayetteville, and so I I spent my afternoon in the Hilton Garden Inn producing content that never saw the light of day. Um, But the game on in my background was Vanderbilt, Florida, and I can't get that game out of my head. If I'm an NFL exec, I can't keep looking at that game and going, "Yeah, it's going to be fine." He's going to be great. That that game, that game would keep me up at night to the point where I'd go, "We can't do this."
1: I I understand the idea of, "All right, let's take a guy with traits."
2: Have we ever
1: seen a quarterback be decidedly average, maybe slightly above average in college turn out to be great in the NFL because even when people use the example of even when people use the example of Josh Allen Josh Allen was very good in college he just wasn't accurate like he still was good I, I just don't like to me like I, I I've been racking my brain trying to think of an example I've never really come up with one
3: well especially everyone showing that it's not norm you know what I mean it has every chance to, in the it, world to go the other way
1: also, people try to use the example of Brady. Brady was the Big Ten player of the year. Brady just got caught up in Brady got caught up in the Drew Henson and Lloyd Carr wanting a Michigan guy to like he got caught up in that. But Brady was still the Big Ten player of the year.
3: Yeah. What are you talking about today? I know it's obvious, but the whole show agrees.
1: Oh, I think that's I think that's uh
3: <laughs> breaking get- down Memphis Tigers spring football today, Jeff.
1: Just because they hang the breaking ball doesn't mean you got to take it.
3: Okay, fair enough. Enjoyed it. Appreciate it, bud. All right, guys. All right. I know maybe this is not good for um, hot takes and social media mentions, but I've seen a lot of buzz about Giannis' answer to this question last night and in this press conference. And I had zero issue with the question, and I have zero issue with the answer. I thought, frankly, Agreed. both were completely well done in their own ways. I don't know that I necessarily agree with Giannis, but at the same time, I get it. He put a lot of thought into it. It's going around. He was asked last night. Um,
2: I agree with him completely. Go I, ahead and give the context, but I agree with him 1,000%.
3: Yeah, let me get the reporter's name. Eric Nelm, who covers uh, the Bucks for The Athletic is who asked the question. And he essentially asked Giannis who lo- – they lose 128-20, 126 to the Heat last night. As the one seed, they're eliminated in the first round uh, three years after the title, I think, something like that. Yeah. Um, if the season was a failure, if he viewed the season of, of, as a failure, and he gives a very long answer. Giannis, obviously, the face of the franchise. Uh, you asked me the same question last year, I think. Do you get a promotion every year? No, right? So every year you work as a failure? Yes or no? No, every year you work, you work towards something to a goal, which is to get a promotion, to be able to take care of your family, to be able to provide a house for them or take care of your parents. You work toward a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championships. Did their nine years was a failure. Exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's the wrong question. There's no failure in sports. There's good days, bad days. Some days you are able to be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not. That's what sports is about. You don't always win. Some other group is going to win, and this year someone else is going to win. Simple as that. We're going to come back next year and try to be better, try to build ha- good habits, try to play better. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021, we didn't win a championship. It was 50 years of failure. No, it was not. There were steps to it, and we were able to win
2: one, and hopefully we can win another one. It's I a thoughtful answer. I agree with him. Only one team's going to win, so the other teams are failures everything's a failure i disagree i just disagree
3: i mean but losing in the first round as a one seed is a playoff failure
2: yeah but it's it's complex
3: i mean it depends where yeah it's micro macro it depends what we're talking
2: about here but at the same time i mean it's a disappointment i don't know that it's a failure they made it as a one seed. They got to the one seed. It's very difficult to do. Well, no, they
3: had a great... It's what's funny about it.
2: They, they lost to they lost to one of the NBA's most all-time underrated players. They were injured. Uh, Antetokounmpo was not completely healthy. He got hurt in game one. If you, ever, if you watch Giannis, you know that the Giannis that lost in this series was not 100% healthy. They're in a market where, as good as they are, Holiday and Middleton and those guys, they 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 you if you don't completely build through the draft, you're you're going to have some weaknesses in your team. And Miami's good. And Butler got super hot. Super hot and made yesterday a crazy shot to win that game, to send, you know, to 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 keep to extend it. The margin between winning and losing at the highest level like that is so small. I mean, imagine, look, Sacramento is going to lose now. If if Harrison Barnes makes that three, Sacramento is going to win now. You see it all the time. It's really difficult to win.
3: I just think it's both because I – Sure, you're not destroying your franchise over it. You're not dismantling everything. Like I saw, I think it was the Athletic this morning, that alluded to the head coach being fired. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But on the micro level, I mean, I don't know. I'm like, It's fine. I, I like the answer, so I'm not really even playing devil's advocate. I think he gave a <clears> – he <throat> was a question that required some thought, potentially. He gave it a lot of thought. He gave an honest answer, which I appreciated, and we all move on. I'm not criticizing the answer. I just think it's also a little convenient. At the same time.
2: It could like, be, but I mean, I, I, if, if he says, yeah, we failed. I mean, Kobe would. Yeah, okay, but not every, how many people are Kobe?
3: Well, no, my point, though, is, I mean, there is a standard to, you ask the majority of the fans, hey, did you fail in the postseason if a one seed loses in the first round? Unanimously, almost yes.
2: That doesn't mean you You're blew it fans, up. That doesn't mean you had know, a bad
3: I, season. There's I a difference.
2: I, I just can't. I can't take the opinion of fans into it because they're so emotional. Like, I, if you ask players, because yeah. you do it in
3: three years in a row, and you will be fired. So you can't go, "Hey, we were the one seed three years in a row." No, I mean,
2: like, I get that. I just, if Memphis doesn't win Game Six, or they was the season of failure, they were the two seed. They're in a different step in their process
3: too, though. Once you win a title, what failure means potentially changes on the next one. It's where Giannis has a good point, but I think that's the debate: is where are the Bucks in their process, in their ceiling? that changes things. Because he's right. You can absolutely have playoff losses that feel like huge wins. You're like, hey, this is coming. This is doing this. This is doing this. Whereas you're in the middle of your window and you lose in the first round and don't give yourself a chance. That's a completely different outcome, even though the tangible outcome is exactly the same.
2: Does that make sense? Yeah, I just can cite so many examples of teams that got one and never got another one. Had all the goods to get one and never got one. Oh, sure. And when you look at them and... Um, Dan Marino, is his career a failure? He never won one. Charles Barkley. How
3: many times was his team a one or a two? I, I mean,
2: a few. Yeah.
3: Those seasons, potentially. Maybe it's your career, okay. Yeah. The Braves in the 90s were a failure to some extent. They won one title. Potentially. Make the argument. Yeah, you, you can.
2: I, I think it shows you the arbitrary nature of sport.
3: Because if they go back-to-back back in 96, they win the first two games in New York. They're up 2-0. They go back to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They blow the 2-0 lead. You win that, you're not. But there is something for
2: 1-2. When it's an extended 15-year run to that level. Yeah. But look at some of the years that the Braves lost. The performances that knocked them out the type of people that perform to knock them out. I mean, the other team's trying mm-hmm. to, you know, oh, sure. I mean, it's the, uh, I mean, full circle in the whole week. Morgan Wallen has that song about the 98 Braves and yeah. the Padres were not as good as the Braves, but they were hot as hell. Yeah. Phillies last year. Yeah. The Cubs in Oh three. Do you think the heat are a
3: title contender? Can they win the title? I have a point.
2: Um, Let's see, they're the four. I mean, they they play the four five. They play the four, or five, they now. Play the four or five, which is New York. They play New York. Yeah, they play the Knicks. You could, yeah, them they chairs. can beat the Knicks, sure. Um, and then they they would play Boston or Philly. Yeah, um, I
3: mean, they get some scheduled. My point is, I think when you're a one seed or a two seed, and again, failure is so it's such an arbitrary thing. I mean, we're talking about a very complex topic in very simple terms, so this is kind of stupid. But I think it is. Again, not an organizational failure, not a failure to your tenure, to his career, to anything along those lines. But in the micro, a failure in the playoffs, and failure has different degrees. If you're beaten by a team that's not someone who can win the title, does that make sense? Like yeah, so, Boston so, loses, like the, the, the 76ers lose to
2: the Celtics in the conference finals. That was not a failure. But you got if, beat by a good team. But if Giannis answers this question completely honestly. If he answers it completely honestly, if he says, you know what? I got hurt in game one. I missed multiple games. I'm not healthy. That's why we lost. That's two things. People are going to kill him. Oh, you made excuses. And then you, you you disrespected Jimmy Butler. There's a there's a no win there other than saying. And frankly, that is partly why they lost. He was injured. It's I mean, not partly why they lost. It's yeah, yeah. why they lost. Yeah.
3: He missed thirteen free throws last night. I mean, he's hurt. even though he had thirty eight and twenty, he's hurt.
2: He hurt his back. He missed games in the series. Yeah, when I mean, he, when when guys miss playoff games, they're hurt. Yeah, he, I mean, you is, know, I, I, there were people that did this deal with with Kawhi Leonard in Los Angeles. Oh, he, he's he's a you know what a p word. He's he's soft. No, he's got a torn meniscus. can't play with a torn meniscus. Not effectively. And you're risking long-term injury when you do it. He's going to require surgery. Paul George didn't come back because Paul George got hurt that night against mm-hmm. the Thunder.
3: And I do think Giannis being hurt is what takes it from being a failure. Actually, if I really think it through,
2: yeah, because he's
3: not even full strength. It's like okay, but I mean, yeah, because like somebody says here, the Grizzlies lose this series. It's
2: incredibly disappointed, but their best player is hurt. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's and that's kind of my point about when 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 you make sports an all or nothing proposition. It's really hard to win a title. It's just really hard localizing.
3: Ole Miss's current season is much more of a failure than hey, you lost a super regional and didn't get back to Omaha. Is that a failure? Sure. No, I got beat. I don't know. Of course. Yeah. Five and thirteen, you know, five and twelve, five and fifteen is a failure. I mean,
2: that's it's a different deal. Sure. It's just really hard. Joe Madden got asked about this. Was the Cubs run a failure? No. Does he wish they'd won more?
3: Sure. Of course. I mean, I'm a Saints fan. Several opportunities.
2: But the other teams were trying too. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the 17 Dodgers were a really good team. The the Brewers and 18 were a team of destiny, it seemed like. It It came down to one game. You lost a wild card game. Next thing you know, it's falling apart on you. Guys are pressing. It it all happens fast. I I think that's just kind of my my point with it is I get the question, and the question has to be asked. And sometimes as a reporter, you have to ask asshole questions in those moments. And I don't even know if it was an asshole question, though,
3: because it you can say no. It's not, hey, this was a failure, right? Hey, do you consider right. this a failure? Right. Okay.
2: Of course. Sure. Yeah.
3: Now, I, players and coaches do take offense to that sure. because they're emotional and high strung, sure. and sure. they need to yell at somebody, and the media's in the way. But
2: and, and he was frustrated with the question, but, he then was. He, but then he gave it a thoughtful answer. Yeah, and then this is what I hate about what we do. He gives a thoughtful answer, and then everybody just tears him apart for it. And so, <laughs> so, what do you want him if he says yes? It was a failure. That's it. Okay, now we can all burn the building down. I mean, what? what I don't. I don't get. There's. There's a. I mean, I'll, I'll personalize it. Hey, Neil, was your career a failure? On paper? Yeah, absolutely. A disastrous failure. Now, in reality, was it a failure? It took me a long time to get to this place, but no, not really. It's okay. No one's going to remember me as a great journalist. Did I achieve my goals? I did not. None of them. So, from that perspective, it's a failure. I look back on it and go, but I did some cool things that I didn't Much think I Much more complicated could
3: do. answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But,
2: but if I answered your question with just, hey, was your career a failure? Yeah. Well, that, that leaves a lot of context out, a lot. And so I thought his answer provided some context. Mm-hmm. It did.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's the true answer is that, in the context of you don't know how long your window is going to last, so every year when you don't give yourself an opportunity, right. it sucks. Sure. That's, that's the – Sure. I give some credit to uh, – I don't know who it was, and I forget the, even the player's name last night. The kid for the Pirates – or not kid, the player for the Pirates who came up last night. Oh, yeah, 33-year-old. Maji. Um, Maji, yeah. Comes up, played at Arizona State. I uh, know teams and not players – um, comes up with the Pirates, gets his first at-bat last night. He's almost, he's two weeks shy of his 34th birthday. He's been mm. in the minor leagues for 13 seasons, and in this era of all these pitch clocks and all this stuff, the umpire stepped away and gave him a minute and let the applause come in and the crowd give him the the ovation and everything and really let the, the umpire recognized it and allowed the moment to happen. Something that if the umpire doesn't pick it up there, they've got to go because of the clock. I, I give him a lot of credit last sure. night for...
2: I didn't see that, but that's yeah, great. Yeah, he kind of stopped
3: it. and he occupied himself for five or 10 seconds on purpose to, to allow the moment to, to marinate there for the kid or man. Um, he struck out, but yeah. So, cool. he, so he failed. He did fail in that about it. <laughs> Correct. Yes. His career is not a failure, but yes,
2: percent. he's, he's a great story. He's perseverance and determination and not listening to outside people who tell you not to do something. Imagine how many people in his life have said, Hey, Thirteen years, go. Catch you, it's one, guys. not going to work. You're just. I've been making buses. thirty
3: grand a year for thirteen years at most. Yeah, like it's.
2: Let's do something else. I mean, he's the prime example of you chase your dreams until you're tired of chasing your dreams, not till somebody else tells you that it's time to stop chasing them. <laughs> Which is ninety nine point nine nine percent of us would not do what he did. That's why he's just. It stands out, right? The Plucky Pirates, 17-8, and eight, winning the Central. Yeah. I mean, do I suspect that they'll come back to, the, to earth a little bit? Sure. Mm-hmm. But they're playing with a lot of confidence. People are excited. It's kind of fun. I mean, even I cheer for a team that's in the same division. I should be cheering against them.
3: I was about to say, that's what's funny about these standings. Again, we're only 25 games into the season or whatever we are here. But – you know the Cubs aren't a World Series contender, so this is a standings that you can actually get behind because the Cardinals are in dead last and the yes. Pirates
2: are in first.
3: And yes. Hey,
2: it's all right. We can, oh, I mean, if this is the way – You kind of
3: like Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I do like Pittsburgh. Yeah. I, um, this is, if, if it ends like this, I'm, I'm cool with it. I mean, if it ends with Pittsburgh celebrating a championship and the Cardinals in last place, I'm cool. I'm good. 100%. Sign me up. Plus 31 run differential right now for
3: the –
2: pirates they're good
3: so far it's the second highest in the national league and and this is
2: with the young shortstop breaking his ankle early in the season he's out for like six months probably for the year the
3: rays already have a plus 87 run differential i know it happens when you win your first 12 or 13 games of the year but
2: i don't think they've lost at home
3: yet yeah they're 20 and 5 overall they're 14-2 at home. Okay, they've lost a home game. Okay. Yeah, 14-2 at home. Eight, six, and three on the road. Seven and three in their last ten. They've actually lost two in a row.
2: So. I ran yesterday. I, t- I turned two games on. I had had Baltimore-Boston on my phone, and I was watching the Reds and the uh, – who were the Reds playing? You can tell I wasn't super focused on that game. The Reds came back and beat Texas. On a walk off. Okay. Sinzel hit a home run to walk it off. I was appreciative because I told myself, I'm running until the end of this game. And it looked like Texas tied it up in the top of the night. That I was like, damn it. When you could just stop. I could have. I mean, you have my, a little OCD and you in, the, my, in my brain. I'm like, no, we're going to do this until it's over. And then Sinzel hit the home run. I was like, thank God. Appreciate you, bud. <laughs> I mean,.
3: Uh, what do, have, what do we have tonight? By the way, Jordan Walker sat down, speaking of the the Cardinals. The, yeah, and I think that's an interesting decision on their part. They said they can't get him everyday appearances right now. And frankly, he was struggling a little bit. They've, they've been was. doing a lot of technique stuff with him. And you knew he was going to Offensively struggle. Offensively and defensively. He also has not played outfield very much.
2: You knew he was going to struggle. When you brought him up because of a hot camp, you almost had to commit that, you, hey, we're going to stick with you f- through those first failures, and they didn't. Yeah. So you start messing with them a little bit. And I think it's a criticism of that organization. They have a tendency to yo-yo some young players. But their expectation very clearly is to win the Central, and this is the first sign of them not panicking at all because it's way too early to panic. But this is the first sign for them that they're like, oh, this is not anywhere near what we thought this was going to be, and we're going to have to get on our horse a little bit. Because I think the rest of the division is is better than St. Louis thought it was going to be. Cincinnati's not a terrible team. The Cubs are not a terrible team. Pittsburgh is very clearly not a terrible team, and Milwaukee's good. And so if you're St. Louis, a lot yeah. of those a lot of those games that you thought you were going to co- you know collect wins suddenly, maybe not so much. I mean, uh, Cincinnati's a good young team. They're young, and they don't have enough to compete. The the Cubs are not good enough to win the division, but they're not bad enough to suck either. I mean, the Cubs are going to win in the seventies, maybe even maybe get to the early. So maybe nobody's in that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and Pittsburgh's off to the kind of nobody's that, losing a hundred. No, no, I don't. I don't think Cincinnati loses hundred games. Pittsburgh damn sure isn't winning. is losing hundred games. The Cubs are not losing. Cubs aren't losing ninety games. They're they're they might lose eighty five. But I don't. And That's I don't. Most. And I don't think so. I I, I think the Cubs are going to be very much right around 500 80 and 82 82 and 80 something yeah, like that Yeah yeah
3: um only NBA game tonight Celtics at Hawks for game 6 so that one Boston just completely blew game 5 they shouldn't be playing right now but they have home court if they win um they will face who in the next round what is the the 4-5 the in the east Yeah it's no it's the 6 is the 7 sorry who is
2: it Oh uh who are you Miami. No, Miami no. gets oh, a, the Knicks. Yeah, I don't know. I have to yeah. look at it. Okay.
3: <laughs> There's an East team that I'm completely forgetting is in the playoffs right now, and I don't know why, but I am. So, that's where we're, uh, where we're sitting currently. Hold on a second, because this is bothering me. Uh... Game seven, by the way, on the Lakers Grizzlies would be uh, Sunday. Yeah, along with Game seven of Golden State Sacramento, and that's, that's not now. getting to seven. It's over. It's that was last night. Wasn't it was it? done. Yeah, been there, done that. <sighs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's tonight. NHL. I did not really watch any last night. I have it's no Philly idea. It's Philly. Matt happened. Browning says. Oh yeah. yeah duh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I'm I'm a little off today. It's just not quite. Not quite there. uh You and Tyler are doing a draft show tonight? We are. We're going to start. What time does the draft start? Seven. Tyler said y'all are starting at six forty-five. Okay. So I'll take I'll Tyler's, take Tyler's for word that.
2: for it. Tyler's the boss on this one.
3: That's what Tyler said. He said six forty-five. So that's what the draft tonight. uh Again, no real news out of women's baseball. The only thing it's and this is not to be this is not unexpected. Mike on Tuesday a little iffy on what Elliott's role would be this weekend. Some rehab, some soreness. We'll see. Um, I'm not speculating either way because I don't know. Um, but it was not an automatic, yeah, you'll see him Friday and it's doing the exact same thing. So I don't know where that sits going. Hunter into was weekend. unhappy on Saturday. Yes. So I don't know what that looks like moving forward or anything else. We will all find out when they announce a rotation at some point today, I would assume, where they are uh, sticking with that. Riley Maddox will for sure pitch this weekend against Georgia. But from a pitching standpoint, that is what we know. So anyway, Ole Miss and Georgia tomorrow night. Saturday and Sunday, double-decker in town this weekend. So a lot of stuff going on locally here in Oxford. But draft show tonight, and then we'll be back with you again starting on Monday. So take care, have a good weekend, and we will talk to you then.